0: Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Acts chapter 2. I kind of like having a series on a chapter of the Bible, because I really don't even have to tell you guys where to turn. You already know where to turn. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, and Acts chapter 4 today just a little bit. So get ready for that. So let's get ready to lean into part three. And as we get ready here and we do a little bit of intro here, how many of you know we're responsible for the soul? God is responsible for the seed. Let me say that again. We're responsible for uh, the soul. God is responsible for the seed. So, in other words, we prepare the soul to receive the seed. Okay. What I'm about to give you is the seed of the Word of God. So, anytime somebody preaches or teaches, they're actually depositing seeds in you that will produce a harvest. But you have to prepare the soul for the harvest. Is that right? So, my recommendation on a practical level is that all through the week you're preparing yourself for the seed that is going to be brought forth whether that's in your small group or that's on a Sunday morning that you're constantly preparing the soul of your life to getting ready for the seed that God wants to deposit in you so that means monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday all of those days you're you're spending time in the word you're spending time in prayer and in some cases you're fasting depending on the week and and what it is you're wanting to seek God for so you're preparing that soul on a practical level though i would say on a saturday evening as you get ready for sunday you know some, for some reason christians have a problem with this but we just stay out all night on saturday night and we do all these things and we you know all these things and we work ourselves to death on saturday by the time we get here on sunday we have no energy left we're depleted so we sit here half half asleep We come to our serve teams, half ready, late, all of those things. Why? Because we're not prepared. The soil is not prepared for the seed. And so what we need to be doing is we need to, on Saturday evening, this is something I do. Of course, you say, well, you're the pastor. You have to do this. Well, I think everybody should do this. I start winding. My week looks like this. I hit it really hard, and then I start doing this. And when I start coming down, I spend a few days, and that last day on Fridays and Saturdays, I'm resting. You know, the greatest preparation I do for sermons is rest. I'm better when I'm rested. When I'm rested, when I'm feeling good, I am more, I I am uh, ready. Uh, My soul of my life is ready for the seed, and then I can hear the Lord better when I'm rested. Can I hear an amen? So on Saturday nights, I go to bed early. And I I get up, and I'm refreshed, and I'm ready to go. And I just really want to say that to you guys, that you don't wear yourself out, because when you come in here, God wants to deposit inside of you seeds that will grow a harvest. Can I hear an amen? amen? So if you choose to nap through this today, or you turn off the podcast, or you turn to another YouTube video Or you just had a random Sunday at home and you're just like, I just want to stay at home today. I want to tell you, that's a very expensive nap and a very expensive choice. Okay? And let me tell you why. Because eternal treasures are being shared every week at One Community Church. Eternal treasures. Eternal treasures. Eternity. This life is temporary. That life is eternal. Can I hear an amen? So these are eternal treasures. So I encourage you, at home to be preparing the soul of your life, getting it ready for the seed of the Word of God. And one of the ways you can do that in this series is by reading the book of Acts. So I encourage you to read it. You say, well, I've read it. Read it again. Well, I've read it. Read it again. Okay? This book right here, just this one book that we're teaching from, is powerful. It is, it is unbelievable for transformation. And so this book right here is so powerful. So I encourage you to read it. Um, I know this week, so we've been in Acts 1, Acts 2, today Acts 3, and a little bit in Acts 4. Next weekend we'll be in Acts chapter 5. I don't know if we'll continue with all of the chapters. I don't think we have enough Sundays left in the year. Can y'all believe that? The year's almost over. So I know the Lord's going to want to say some more stuff around the holidays, and so we've really got to get this in. So I may have to skip around a little bit to finish the book of Acts and then it's on my heart, if it happens or not, I have no idea, but I would love to go straight from Acts into Romans. I know I don't have enough year this, this year, maybe we can do it at the first of, the, of next year, but I would love to just kind of go from one to the other because it's so powerful, but we'll see what the Lord has. So we're going to pick up where we left off with the explosion of faith of the early church in Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 2, if you're there, say amen. We're going to start reading in verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, everybody say everyone, was filled with what? And many wonders. Do Y'all know what that means, wonders. Everybody say wonders. What that means is, I wonder what happened. When you see the word wonder in the Bible, signs and wonders, that means I wonder what just happened. I can't explain it with my human brain. Is that right? And then it says signs performed by the apostles. So when it says signs, that means there were demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. There were signs. There were evidence. There was things that happened in the physical that manifested themselves that they saw with their own natural eyes. Everybody following me? So even even after all of this had happened in Acts 2 with with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there were still many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, and that's another thing, performed by the apostles. So this was happening in their life. The Holy Spirit was active in their life. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So in other words, every day, everybody say every day, they went to church. Everybody say they went to church. So they didn't just go to church. The early church didn't just go to church on Sundays. They went every day. They went to church every day. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now that's not just talking about communion. That's talking about they had meals together. They would come together. They, had, they built relationships. They broke bread together. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. So the Lord added to the church. How often? Just once a week? Every day God was adding to the church. You know why God was adding to the church? Because they were active every day. The book of Acts, I'm going to say this twice in this message today. The book of Acts was action. So every day they were about action. They were going out. They were sharing with other people. They were bringing other people into the church. Is that what you just read? Because that's what I just read. So they were active. Everybody say active. Active. It tells us, these verses tell us what happens what happened after the unfilling of the Holy Spirit and the story in Acts 3 that we're going to read in just a moment, the healing of the man at the gate, beautiful. Between those two major gifts of the Spirit events, we're going to read about the fruit of the Holy Spirit that was being sown and reaped in the lives of the disciples and the leaders of the apostles. So what we just read is, is what was happening. Verse 42, we pick up on here. Right here where we just read, we pick up on here, there were miracles, signs, and wonders, but most of what we read here in these, this latter part of Acts 2, most of what we read is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Daily discipline Themselves Discipline themselves. It's where we get the word disciple. So they were disciplined to do the things of God. They were active. They were constantly doing these things. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the more times we read the Word, the more times we share the Word, the more our faith is being built. So this was a daily routine for them. This was a daily discipline. So they, they did daily discipline. They did daily teaching. It says they... they um, They had communion together. What does communion mean? It means common union. So that means they come together in unity. They were unified in purpose. They didn't look at their own possessions as this is mine. I hope you get yours. Thought I might get a few more. I got about two amens and a half. So they didn't look at their own possessions as this is mine. No, they looked at their possessions as this is ours. Does that make sense? It's no, I mean, we don't have to be rocket scientists to understand why the early church began to grow like it did and multiply, because they were not stingy. They were generous. Amen? The fruit of the Holy Spirit is, is, and this is a good nugget right here, right out of the gate. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is to undergird and balance the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let me say that again. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is to undergird and balance the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So now let's go to Acts chapter 3. Go a page over. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 3 verses 1 through 10. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Now let me point out here. It says one day. Everybody say one day. Now, a page over in Acts chapter 2, it says they went to the temple how often? Every day. So this is one day out of every day. So have we established that? Everybody on the same page? Okay, so one day, Peter and John, one day out of every day, Peter and John were going to church at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful Get up and walk. Verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising who? Verse 9. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder... There's that word again. I wonder what happened. They were filled with wonder and... What's that next word? They were filled with what? two things. What were they? An amazement at what had happened to him. This sets up a routine for us. Peter goes into this gate every day and walks by this lame man. In chapter 4, it tells us that people were all... uh, we're in awe at this man's healing because he was over 40 years old. Meaning, a lot of people had seen him laying there over a period of years. The context behind this miracle is Peter is going about his business. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit had happened. Peter is looking for the next big thing. Okay, God, what is our next marching orders? This, is, uh, this gospel experience is supposed to go out into all the world We're having inner circle discipleship. We're doing the daily disciplines. We're meeting together. We're praying together. We're doing everything we know to do. But we know you told us this word gospel has the word go in it. And we have power now. So what do we do? We need an opportunity to go to the world. And every day he wakes up. And every day he goes through this most beautiful gate in the city. So let me tell you a little bit about this gate. This gate was the most recognizable place again in the city. It was a uh, it, the gate was made of brass so it was very shiny and it was very recognizable. So that every day cuz the Acts 2 tells us every day they went to the temple. Every day so this is one day out of every day he goes through this gate, this most recognizable place in the city. Peter has this huge vision to be an apostle and a leader and every day he's pursuing the fruit of the spirit. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to follow through. And he does all of these things. And then one day out of every day, something changes. Everybody say something changes. Mathematically, if Peter is walking this path every day, uh, this man had been lying there for all of these years. This couldn't, mathematically speaking, this couldn't have been the first time they encountered one another. What we don't know is if Peter ever gave him money before if he had it on him. We don't know that. But what we do know is this moment and this opportunity, Peter had some empty pockets. Have you ever been there? (laughs) So what happens to us, so I'm asking, what happens to us when we're at the red light at Walmart and there are people with signs telling us how much their need is? My question is, what is our body language? What is our body language when we don't have anything to give? Well, I'll tell you what we do, because I know what I do, and it's human nature. So if I do it, then all of us do it. You know what our body language is? We start messing with our phones. We start looking down, and we start saying to ourselves, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Just keep looking ahead. Just stare up at the red light until it turns green. Please, Lord, would you let it turn green? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So we're not going to make eye contact. When we feel we're not equipped to meet the needs around us, our body language, our communication, our eyes are all diverted away from something we all see as an obstacle, but it could be an opportunity that God is giving us. This one day, something was different. This one day was marked... The early church went from waiting and stillness to explosion on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. So we see waiting, we see stillness, we see explosion, and then guess what we see? We see waiting and stillness again, and then we see an opportunity, and we see explosion. Do you see that? There's a pattern here. So we see that, the explosion of this miracle, because Peter's daily routine intersected with a decision. I've walked this path over and over, and perhaps he saw this man as a problem and not as purpose. So this man was healed. That's what we just read. This day was different. This miracle of this man being healed started gathering a crowd around Peter and this miracle, and this man jumping, and this man leaping because he was healed. And they were, they, were, they, had, they, were, they were in wonder and amazement at what had happened. And so when Peter got a crowd around him, how many of you know preachers preach? So when he saw a crowd, he started preaching. And he went all the way back to Father Abraham, and he starts preaching to that crowd that's gathered around him. Remember, he's preaching to mostly a Jewish audience. There there was no non Jews allowed into the temple. But this crippled man was allowed to beg outside of the temple, but not inside the temple. Essentially, he had to choose God, worship, prayer, or survival. How many people do we know that are in that same boat, just like this crippled man? God, I know you have something for me to do, but I have a more pressing problem. He has a daily dilemma do I go to church and worship? Or do I stay out here stuck in my problem? I'm surviving. I'm living in fear. It's one day at a time. I'm no longer praying for a miracle. I just need to make it through the day. Peter is living one day at a time in faith and he encounters a man living one day at a time in fear. For Peter, who was looking for the next big thing for the church, this man is an inconvenience. This man is an obstacle to get where he's needing to get on this day. The exponential growth that is about to take place over an inconvenience is absolutely amazing. Peter says, Jesus is the reason this man stands before you today healed and restored. It's the power of the name of Jesus. And I think it's so ironic that they sung all today about Jesus. Because it's in His name this man was healed. The power comes through that name. The name of Jesus, whom you crucified. And in Acts 4, the church folks start getting offended. Imagine that. Somebody is healed. Somebody is delivered. And somebody has to get offended. God starts moving in a church and somebody's going to get offended. The devil's got to do something. The devil's got loves to stir up the pot. So they get offended. This man is healed and they got offended. So they go to John and they say, you can't do this. But the people were celebrating, this man got new legs. In other words, Lieutenant Dan got new legs. (laughs) I'm taking it you know Forrest Gump movie. Okay. So they throw Peter and John into jail. But watch this. They don't just throw Peter and John into jail. Pastor D, they throw the crippled man into jail. Can you imagine that this man has been crippled for years? He was over 40 years old. He was known to be at that gate. He has been lame for years. And he gets healed. And the church folk throw him into prison. Think about that. Can you imagine that? He gets healed, but the church folks drag him into bondage. So they ask the question, what are we going to do with these men? This man has been laying there at this busiest intersection for years. He's recognizable. This is a problem. So they realize they can't punish Peter and John or it will cause a backlash. So watch this. This is what they do. Oh, this is what they do every time. They say, okay, guys, you can preach, just don't use the name of Jesus. Okay? In other words, you can preach, but don't use that power stuff. That's what they're telling them. This happened over 2,000 years ago, but why does it feel like it's happening right now? You can preach, you can do good. You can give out some groceries. You can have a little booth at the fair. And you can hand out some pamphlets advertising your church. But whatever you do, don't use that power stuff. Come on church, somebody preach with me today. Leave that power stuff behind. So in Acts chapter 4, Peter starts making a case. And in verse 11, he quotes. This is Acts 4 verse 11 he quotes from Psalms and says, "This power comes from Jesus, the stone you builders rejected, that now has become the chief corner stone." <laughs> now, I'm proud you're getting excited. I think that's awesome. But think about this: for, for the Jewish audience, they knew exactly what he was saying. Now to us Gentiles, that doesn't mean so much, so let me do some explaining. This term cornerstone comes from the Egyptian pyramids. When an architect would draw the plans, he would first create a miniature version of the larger pyramid that he wanted to build. The miniature version could range in size. It was called the chief cornerstone. It was a miniature version of the big pyramid that they would eventually build. They would take all of their dimensions and measurements off of the smaller miniature version, and that was called the chief cornerstone. Once they built the the one they were trying to build, the larger one, if all of their measurements were right, they would set the miniature, the cornerstone version, the chief cornerstone. If it all fit, and if they've done all of their measurements right, this miniature version would fit exactly on top of the other one. So think about that. If their measurements were right, it would fit, and it would be totally plumb. So what he was saying is, you crucified the chief cornerstone because he didn't fit into the wall you were building. How often do you pick up a triangular stone when you're trying to build something? No, you want something that fits. You don't want something that sticks out. Something different. And the only people who want a triangular stone are the ones who are building a kingdom totally built on its image. So you rejected him because he didn't fit into what you were building. But what you didn't understand is it wasn't his job to fit into what you were building. Keyword: what you were building. Church folks love to fit God into what they're building. What they didn't know was it wasn't supposed to fit into what they were building. He was supposed to fit, or they were supposed to fit into what he was building. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. So think about this. Think about this. Jesus was the miniature of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. And if we're doing it right, it all measures, all the measurements fit. When we're not doing it right, the measurements don't fit. They threatened them. Probably with death, although this text doesn't say that, but how I know that or how I believe that is, the reason is is because Peter and John go to the other believers and they start praying. And it's a prayer for boldness. God, acknowledge the threats against us. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness and with power and authority. Write this down. Multiplication happens when you're in a threatening environment, not a favorable environment multiplication happens when you're in a, in a threatening environment, not a favorable environment. I can honestly say that the, the times that I have seen exponential growth in the ministry here at One Community was in a time where it was not favorable. We've seen the largest growth in threatening times when the enemy was fighting the hardest is when this church grew the most. Amen? If we look at the anatomy of multiplication, so this was my question as I read this text. If we look at the anatomy of multiplication, what moment started the momentum? Now watch this. Did you know moments create momentum? All it takes is one moment to create momentum. I've seen that happen here over and over and over and over again in this church through the life of this church As the pastor standing back, observing what God has done here, I can take you to moments. I could name the moments. There were certain moments that caused momentum in this church. So if we're looking at the anatomy of multiplication, what moment started this momentum? Where does the boldness begin? It actually began with the boldness of Peter. The miracle was a catalyst for the momentum of multiplication. Let me say that again because that's a lot of M words. The miracle was a catalyst for the momentum of multiplication. Well, What did they do to position themselves for the miracle? Acts 2, they devoted themselves to teaching and preaching and going to church. They were faithful with prayer daily. They had relationships with other believers. And they were waiting for the Lord to show them their next step. It was a daily faithful routine. Everybody say daily faithful routine. What makes this day different? Same gate, same man, same routine, same path, same everything, same everything. What action happened? Remember, acts is action. Everybody say, acts is action. What choice did Peter make on the same old path? Are y'all ready for this? What choice did Peter make on the same old path? Here it is. Peter's decision. This is good. Peter's decision to look intimidation in the face and not see this man as someone in the way of fulfilling God's purpose, but with someone who was God's purpose. Let me say that again. Peter's decision to look intimidation in the face and not see this man as someone in the way of fulfilling God's purpose, but with someone who was God's purpose. How many individuals do we miss because the invitation looks like an obstacle? Let me say that again. How many invitations from God, from the Holy Spirit, do we miss because the invitation looks like an obstacle? I've got to get through this beautiful gate. I've got plans. I've got people to see. I've got things to do. I've got goals. And Lord, if I stop, then my goals get blocked because Lord, I got so many places to be, and I got to go to work, and I got to leave work, and I got to take the kids dance, and I got to go to the to the Peewee football practice, and I've got this, and on Saturday, and I got that, and all of these things. And how many, dear God, how many invitations of opportunities are we missing because our minds are on getting through that gate? How many opportunities do we pass every day? Let me say this. Whatever God calls you to walk through, remember, this is good. You ought to write it down. Remember, every shiny thing has an obstacle that could be an opportunity. Every shiny thing has an obstacle that could be an opportunity. Write this down. There's always an offense. There's always a challenge for you to face your own limitations. There is always an offense. There is always a challenge for you to face your own limitations. Write this down because it's good. An ugly limitation will always lie in the path of your greatest pursuit. An ugly limitation will always lie in the path of your greatest pursuit. We are the kings and queens of avoiding anything that makes us feel inferior or uncomfortable. It doesn't matter that I have empty pockets. Because what I have is power. I've got something on the inside of me that money can't buy and resources can't help. I have power on the inside of me. Question, what makes us forget? What makes me forget? What makes you forget that I have something to give? What makes you forget that you have something to give? This is good. You ought to write it down. The enemy always wants to undervalue what we have and overestimate what we don't have. The enemy always wants to undervalue what we have and he wants to overestimate what we don't have. This is why walking by faith is so important. Peter's like, look at me. So he comes to this man and he says, I want you to look at me. And he says this, he says, I want you to look at me. I want you to look, put your face and put your eyes with my eyes. Because you're going to face your limitation. But before you face your limitation, I'm going to first face my limitation but I want you to look at me because I do not have what you're asking for. I do not have what you're asking for. Do you know how hard that is? We want to be all things to all people. We want all the answers Before we step out, Lord, give me the answer. I want the answer. I want to have it rehearsed. I want to know exactly what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. And sometimes the Lord don't want us to have a rehearsed plan of what we're going to do. Sometimes He just wants us to step out on nothing so He can do everything. Sometimes He don't want us to have the script. Sometimes He wants us to just take that step of boldness and face the limitation that's inside of us and say to people, because this is what's happening today in our culture, we don't have what they're asking for in the physical, but such as we have, we give to them in the name of the Lord. There is a power. The old song says, wonder, working power inside of us. There is something that we have. There is a deposit of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So he's asking him to face him. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Look in my eyes. What you want, I don't have. What you want, I don't have. Why is this so hard? We want all the answers. And the closer we get to God, the more we feel like we need to know. Peter humbled himself and said, Buddy, I don't have what you want, but I have what you need. I don't have what you're asking for. You're asking for a treatment to treat, to just treat the symptoms. I was reading the other day, I read the randomest things, but I was reading the other day and this caught my eye. Did you know in the medical field, the medical doctor, the lower the education, the more they deal with symptoms? The higher the education of the doctor, the more specific they are and the more they deal with systems, not symptoms. This is what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> he, just, he doesn't just deal with sniffles. We're going to deal with the calls and the bedrock and the root of what's going on. You're about to get new legs. And, you, and when you get new legs, you can get any career you want. And buddy, you won't be begging anymore. So the Holy Spirit deals with roots, not just symptoms. And so I I just want to say that because this culture, this society that we live in is a very feely, symptom society. Let's treat the symptoms. Let's, Let's go out and just help everybody. Let's just... Throw things and you know money or whatever. Let's just help. Let's help. Let's help. Let's help. And I'm all for helping. We do that here. We hand out groceries. We do things. We have the, the quarterly grocery drive. We, we help people. We just talked about Embrace Grace this morning. So we're all about helping people. We have people come to our doors every week asking for help. Every week. And we help them when we can. And we do the necessary things that we can. But I want to tell you, when you give somebody groceries, and I'm all about that. I'm all about feeding people. And Jesus talked about that. If you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. But, I, but in all of that, all we're dealing with is symptoms. We're not dealing with the root. Guys, I, I stood in Little Rock at a meeting where they were talking about poverty in Arkansas. And I said to them, Guys, all we're doing is dealing with the symptoms. We need to figure out strategies to deal with the root so they won't have to have the symptoms. Can I hear an amen? So what Peter's telling this guy is, all you're thinking about is the symptom. I need enough money to get through the day. And Peter says, I'm about to give you new legs and you can get any job you want to and you'll never beg again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Some people don't want new legs. If they got new legs, they wouldn't be a victim anymore. They wouldn't get their government check anymore. Can I hear an amen or something? The Holy Spirit wants to deal with the root. He wants to deal with the cause. What did He tell the woman at the well? He said, if you'll drink of the water I give you, you'll never thirst again. What was Jesus saying? I want to deal with the root of the problem. The explosion of faith of the early church was brought on by a small moment of humility by Peter and an omission that he had empty pockets. Why is that so hard for us? And why is that so hard for the church? The enemy paints false narratives that you have to have it all together. Silver and gold I don't have. I'm not what you're expecting me to be, but if I'm humble and I'm obedient, then maybe, maybe what God, I may be what God has called me to be. One day changed every other day. This is a permission to release the things that we cannot fix. And on that day, that one miracle, that one opportunity... That one decision where Peter intersected an opportunity that could have been an obstacle, should have been an obstacle. He was in the way. in that one moment, and that one choice, that one decision, after that decision, 5,000 people were added to the church that day. 5,000 people. On the day of Pentecost, it was only 3,000. After this miracle, it was 5,000. 5,000. Everybody say 5,000. You know, people talk about it. People say goofy things. I don't know if they really know what they're saying. And you get on this thing right here, man, and there's the goofiest stuff out there you've ever seen in your life. I mean, Christians say some of the most unbiblical things ever. I hear people say, well, you know, it's not all about how many people come to church and those big mega churches and you know, God's not all about numbers. Well, you're not reading the book of Acts. It wasn't just 20 people. These were thousands of people. Everybody say thousands. You talk about church growth. My Lord, they were having it. Everyone else is focused on that beautiful gate and getting where they need to go. After this, people would bring their sick and their lame to the temple gate just hoping Peter would walk by and his shadow would heal them as they walked by. But the multiplication of this miracle starts with empty pockets. In other words, it's not you. And when we eliminate ourselves from the equation, that is fertile soil for the power of God to manifest. My own, pow- my own power won't cut it, but I have a power that comes from the Holy Spirit and what He will give you, you will never beg again. In our world we put, watch this, listen to me, in our world, we put ability before everything else. We put ability before anything else. You watch college football. Don't watch the Razorbacks. Find you another team. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not speaking faith this morning, Emma. But you watch college football. It, it's really hilarious if you watch college football. It'll show you where our culture is. That. The other day, I, I kid you not, this is what they said. They were, they were highlighting, you know, Notre Dame as a Catholic school. They were highlighting these two older ladies that had attended every, I don't know, they had been part of that program for 50 years or something. They were in there, like, close to 90 years old. And they highlighted these ladies were Catholic. And they said, this is what, their words. This is what they said. And we praise this. I mean, we clap at this. Everybody gets, oh, it's so awesome. But they say they they exchanged and they showed a, a beautiful picture of a inside of a church, this old gothic looking church, and they said they exchanged this place of worship for this place of worship and they showed the football stadium. See, you gotta read between the lines because they're selling us a bill of goods. But if you listen to them, if you're winning, they will talk about how great you are. You making all the mistakes, you just at the end of the game, you were ahead. You're still making the mistakes. They don't glorify the mistakes because you've won the game. But if you lose the game, they glorify all the mistakes. Think about that. In our world, we put ability before everything else. It's time to stop depending on our own ability and start saying, what do I have spiritually to give someone? Because in myself, I have nothing to give. Because when that happens, we're no longer dealing with the symptoms. We're dealing with the roots. Did you know in your spirit you have power to solve problems? Did you know in your spirit there is power? to loose chains. Did you know in your spirit there is power to set people in bondage free? Did you know in your spirit there is power to set addiction free? Inside of you, there is that kind of power. There is resurrection power on the inside of you and on the inside of me. Come on, stand to your feet and clap your hands right now. Come on, stand to your feet and clap your hands. Pastor Daniel, come to the keyboard. Come on, worship the Lord. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I want everybody to say this. I have power. Come on, say it again. I have power. Everybody say wonder. Working. Power. You know what that wonder means? I can't do it. I can't do it. I do things even this morning preaching. I wonder to myself sometimes, how am I doing this? How do I come up with this stuff? I don't know. My mom's the first one to say amen. She's like, she'll look at me sometime and say, I don't know how you do that. That's not I remember Jason. That's not Jason. Makes me wonder, makes you wonder. Where does he get this stuff? Because it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. They look around this place look at what God has done <laughs> y'all might have have a personal revival for a moment <laughs> Friday was 22 years. my dad's been in heaven October or September excuse me the 29th six o'clock in the afternoon my Elijah was raptured. About six o'clock that afternoon, I just started reflecting on all the Lord has done. I said to myself, Dad, you would not believe it if you could see it because you wonder what happened. You wonder what took place. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And if you think this church is through growing, you got another thing to consider. <laughs> I said, if you think this thing's done growing, you got something to consider. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for what He's doing. And listen, when we say numbers, when we say numbers, when we talk about 5,000 people, We're not looking at the miracle of the number of people. What that means is 5,000 people got saved. 5,000 people got set free. 5,000 people got delivered. 5,000 people got delivered from bondage and addiction. Think about that. 5,000 people's life got radically changed. Then you double that and triple that and quadruple that because every one of those people represent another person. Because there's multiplication in the kingdom. God is not a a God of subtraction and division. He's a God of addition and multiplication. And God wants to multiply our lives. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just thank Him right now. Come on, praise Him. He's doing something in this room. Come on, praise Him right now. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Hallelujah! Now take those hands and lift them and praise Him all over this room. Hands lifted, eyes closed. Everybody worshiping Him. Everybody worshiping Him. God, we praise you. God, we thank you. Don't let us miss opportunities. Don't let us miss opportunities. Don't let us miss opportunities. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And everybody look at me and we're going to give an invitation. Everybody look at me. My job and your job is not to talk ourselves out of it. Our job is to believe it and obey it. Now I want to say that again because I don't know if you got it. Our job is not to talk ourselves out of it our job is to believe it and obey it. It's that simple. You know, oh, no, it's not that simple. No, it's that simple. Our job is you look, you either believe this deal or you don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, I got, I can't help you. I love you, but I can't help you. So you either believe this or you don't believe it. You obey it or you don't obey it. I can't do nothing about it if you don't do those two things. There's nothing I can help you with. Does that make sense? Let me ask you today, this is what the Holy Spirit's asking. What beggar is at your gate? What beggar is at your gate? What intimidation do you need to look at and say, What I have is not enough, but such as I have in my spirit, I give to you? I don't have the medicine or the means, but I have spiritual power. (laughs) I have spiritual power. And I take my God-given spiritual power and I say, cancer, be gone in the name of Jesus. And I say, infirmity, be gone in the name of Jesus. And I say, infertility, be gone in the name of Jesus. And I say, every sickness, be gone. Every disease, be gone in the name of Jesus. Every failure, be gone. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk in the name of Jesus. Quit being stuck with your routine and missing miracles. Let me say that again. Quit being stuck with your routine and missing miracles all along the way. Listen to me. We have to start changing our declaration. What we declare either gives permission to the enemy or the higher purpose of God. Either way. One of the two things. What we say out of our mouth is either giving permission to the enemy or it's giving permission to a higher power and a higher purpose. And so we've got to watch what we say. So here in just a moment. Pastor D, you keep playing. And here in just a moment, I'm going to give an invitation. And we're going to start declaring some new things over our lives. And we're going to start breaking that bondage and stuff and that junk all of our life. And we're going to start breaking that negative communication and, and that verbiage that we've been speaking. And we're going to start speaking life over situations. Situations in our life, in our personal life, and in our in our marriage, and our children, and our finances. We're going to start speaking over our church. We're going to start stop speaking death and, and division and all of those things and we're going to start speaking life in the name of Jesus can I hear an amen come on I want every head bowed every eye closed let's turn down the lights right now come on let's worship him right now right there where you're standing right there where you're standing oh man I I don't know this song I couldn't even try to sing it so don't play it okay but they sung a song you guys sung a song the other day I don't even know the name of it but the other day they sung a song I'm hearing this in my spirit this didn't come from me There was a part of the song they sang the other day. I don't know if you caught it, but it says, Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Y'all remember that song? Who am I? Think about that. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to say God can't do that? Who am I to say that? This church is not a place. Listen to me. This church is not a place for spectating. And this is not a show. This is an opportunity for an internal encounter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we praise you right now. We praise you right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, all over this room. Praise him right now. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.